0: You are tuned in to another edition of Americana Music Profiles, brought to you by Americana Rhythm Music Magazine and Americanamusicmagazine.com. I'm your host, Greg Tutwiler. Let's jump right in to the next exciting interview. Los Galtos is an Americana band from Boston, Massachusetts. They often refer to themselves as an off-kilter and infectious concoction of folk, roots, rock, country, blues, Cajun, New Orleans jazz, Latin grooves, and more. They are my guests on this next edition of Americana Music Profiles as we dig down in that soup and find out what's behind all of that cool music. So hey guys, welcome to the podcast. I'm, I'm talking with a couple of members of the band Los Gatos. Did I get that right?
1: Yeah, Scout though.
0: Okay. Uh, So I got to ask, tell me where the name came from.
1: (laughs) Well, uh, you know, it's always hard to come up with a name, right? Everybody has different uh, things they pull in. And um, I just, we had this story about someone that got the gout. And I thought, well, that's an interesting name for a band. (laughs) 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 And we used it for a few years, I think, as the gout. But then... um, some of our first initial gigs were at my kids' elementary school fundraising events, and we just felt, I just felt like, I, I don't know if I want to see posters of the gout uh, in the hallways where my children are right. on their way to class. This wasn't quite the message our family wanted to get get across to the community. So we, we spanglicized it in a way to try to uh, obscure that reference, Okay, but, uh, but stay true to the original intent, so to speak.
0: Uh, so the the uh, it, it does kind of lend itself to that um, uh, um, uh, ethnic sound, uh, the the Mexican ethnic uh, sound of the word, uh, or or potentially the the Texas Arcana sound. But but you guys are really more of an Americana flavored band, not really that kind of Tex Arcana sound at all, right?
1: Well, I, I think it varies. There is, you know, we do love. Uh, of some bands that, you know, have that sort of influence. You know, we're, we're big fans of Los Lobos and The Mavericks. and Sure, um,
0: okay.
1: And, uh, and some of our songs actually do have a bit of a, a Latin tinge. Uh, you know, Mike's got a song called Steal It, Pawn It, Buy Another, which definitely has a Latin vibe. Uh, yeah, um, it's got Spanish it's lyrics in it even. Uh, I've got a song called uh, Tequila Set the House on Fire, which also has kind of a Latin vibe. And those are yeah. actually the first two songs on the album. Uh, after that, it starts to vary a little bit. But we're, well, we have quite a few different influences, so it's really not limited to that. Sure.
0: Okay. So let me let me back up just a just a bit and and tell me how you guys actually got together originally as a band.
1: Well, I guess uh, that started probably around 2006. Uh, it was basically uh, uh, me, uh, Chris Gleason, and uh, and Mike Eigen. Uh, we, were, we became friends after hanging out with, with another friend of ours. And uh, uh, it was kind of an odd combo at first. Uh, uh, I was playing guitar and mandolin, and Mike was mostly playing clarinet. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> we would just hang out at my house, uh, till all hours of the night and morning, uh, um, covering songs and, and writing songs, and did that for a number of years. And then eventually, Paul, who's sitting here, uh, who was a friend of uh, Mike's, uh, started joining us. And then my brother-in-law, Seamus, started coming over. And it was mostly just jam sessions. And uh, Paul's co-worker, Bruce, joined us. Um, and, you know, as, after doing that for a little while, we decided to take it out into the public, so to speak. Right.
0: Middle
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. school. But, yeah. even, but even in the beginning of the band, for not much longer after Chris and I just started, uh, the main thing about the band I think is important to take away is it's all original music. There's four original songwriters. Okay. And even back in the very early days, um, Chris and I were both writing original songs and that was the real fire. I think that got people interested and propelled the band forward.
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: It's a lot of storytelling going on. That's
0: yeah. Sure. Yeah. I I read it, down the website where you guys um, kind of described yourself as a, I'm going to read the quote you're off kilter and infectious concoction of folk. Roots, rock, country, blues, Cajun, New Orleans, Latin grooves, and more. How do you, how do you combine all of those flavors together, and and and, and cohesively? Because it, it's, I love the sound, but um, I mean, there's a lot going on there in that soup.
1: Yeah. Well, I think a lot of that has to do with the four singer-songwriters, and you know, there's a quote um, from Music Connection Magazine when they were writing about our lives album that we think fits pretty well. They called us a a veritable grand old Opry with a modern sense of humor yeah. <laughs> uh, and we kind of like that description because we are a bit of a circus uh, you know we on stage you know we, we've we got it fairly streamlined we don't take too long between songs but we switch singer-songwriter every couple of songs and even switch around instruments uh, and so each songwriter we have a lot of shared influences but I would also say that you know like I'm maybe a little bit more influenced by you know bluegrass and, and the kind of folk roots but also Fans like Wilco in their even current incarnation, Paul's a little bit more into I don't know, 50s rock and roll in New Orleans. You know, Mike's got his influences, which <laughs> <Brazilian> <laughs> uh, so, I I to Maya, Brazilian pop. So I wouldn't say that all those influences come together in every song, uh, but uh, certainly across the album, you can hear an awful lot of them.
0: And and I think I read where you guys actually have even added horns to that too, right?
1: Yes, that was a really you uh, know something that I think we all wanted. You could hear it if we had other people come in that were a oh, one other person, it was a disaster. But uh, <laughs> um, but no, it, it it's uh it's something that we wanted, and it slowly but surely. But Mike, tell the story because I think Eddie coming in is. The most brilliant story. Well, the, the horn the horn section is known as the Continental Horns, okay. first of all, comprised of Eddie Barrett on trumpet, and Emily Grogan, who's also one of the songwriters, on saxophone. And Eddie and I got to know each other, oddly enough, when I was refining my house. Hmm. And he was my mortgage broker, and he was doing going through the uh, pictures of uh, the house that uh, the assessment of the, of the worth of the house, and he started naming all these instruments that he saw in my basements where we rehearsed, <laughs> and spe- specifics about pickups, and you could just tell he was a musician. And then it also turned out he lived five minutes away from me. Oh, cool! So I said, uh, you know, why don't you drop by and you know and uh, jam you know some night? And he did. He fit right in. Um, great guy, great horn player. And it's just, you know, but again, there's there's been a certain quality of serendipity about this band because a lot of us are old friends, and um, and Eddie just sort of fit right in, and it was one of those serendipitous moments. So Right, and then Emily sort of fell in, too, because she was teaching piano to my daughter. So I used to see her all the time uh, dropping off my daughter, picking her up. And then she stumbled into The Burn one time, uh, saw us finally play, and then I was like, Oh, we got to go see you play. And then, where we went to go see her play, she was playing saxophone. I was like, Oh, God, yeah. you got to join. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> so yeah. Th- cause to, cl- to clarify that reference, we have a weekly residency at the the Barn, which is an uh, Irish bar and, and music oh, club okay. in cool. Somerville, Massachusetts. And so we play there every Sunday. And Emily came, sat in a couple times, and then basically never left. Hmm. I mean, it's been hmm. over a year now, and she's been to pretty much every show. Hmm. And she's she's great in the horn section, but she's also an amazing singer songwriter in her own right. So before long, we were like, "Well, heck, you you should be singing some songs too." Yeah.
0: So, um, huh. so you, you mentioned well. earlier, you know, that the band is is based on original music. So when you when you bring uh, uh, two horns into the mix, do you have to rewrite your arrangements? How does that? how does that fit in does it change a bit how the the song uh yeah. gets played on stage
1: yeah that, that's a good question i know um you know initially i was pretty adamant that i didn't want horns on certain <laughs> songs uh partly because you know like i don't know a song like moscow mule on the album is a little bit more has a, more of a bluegrassy vibe and fiddle and stuff like that and i I didn't necessarily want to muddy the waters with that, uh-huh. so they also will do some like hand percussion and stuff like that. Okay. If the horns aren't on a song, but they do fit on an awful lot of the songs. And increasingly, because they've now been playing with, with us live, we do a lot of gigs. Um, We've we graduated from the elementary school fundraisers, and now we're, <laughs> we're playing you know, you know, 100 shows a year, or whatever. Uh, and uh, uh, they've just become so organic that they can pretty much now. You know, jump into any song and make it work. okay. If necessary, we just kind of developed our sound. Uh, I think uh, in the beginning, like I charted out one of our tunes, like I had an idea in mind already. I mean, I play accordion in the band, so Mm -hmm. sort of that can lend itself to the horns quite well. So I had some visions. But one of the things, as Chris pointed out, I mean, having our weekly residency is such a great opportunity for them to come in and hone in and and, and feel the vibe, because that's really what's most important.
0: Where do you find that your music, uh, as a whole, fits with what kind of audience? Where do you find yourself, or the the what kind of audience do you find your find your music appealing to the, the greatest?
1: Well, elementary fund do not work a- outside bigger. of the <laughs> elementary school audience. <laughs> that is a definite no. Yeah, that's a definite no. yeah. There are some visuals like. You'd really have to see Mike perform to understand what we're talking about. But <laughs> one thing that's been great, I think, is that we find like you know, there's not like an age bracket. Like we find it's across the spectrum, and um, and that's great. Uh, you know, there's times at the burn that when people come in, you never know, and they don't know who we are necessarily, sure, but yeah. you know, they're dancing. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's funny because like you know, I think we've gravitated towards the term Americana because it does it is this umbrella term that, that right. allows for lots of different, uh, roots music influences, but also allows for rock and, you know, other, um, you know, just imitation. And, but it's tricky because some people kind of have a sense of what Americana is and other people need that defined for them. Um, but one thing that a lot of people just seem to say about us is that we're fun, which isn't really a genre, right. I guess, <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, uh, it's definitely sort of a lively band, and there's so much going on with the instrument switching and different singers that I think a lot of times, at least live, um, it matters less to people what genre of music we're performing, and it's more just about um, having fun and engaging with the band.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I don't think we mentioned it when we started, but you guys are, are from the Boston area. Do you how, how far how far south and west do you travel? Is it are you a more regional band, or do you get get a pretty good travel range?
1: Yeah, we don't go past Marlboro.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, we're, we're 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 definitely regional um you know we're at at present especially with the new album and so forth we're we're looking into doing a little bit wider regional um performing in you know in the northeast uh but uh we don't really have the the schedule flexibility or the budget to go too far outside of the the northeast except for maybe with certain exceptions if something came up. But well, I like to be optimistic about it because if someone's <laughs> going to offer you an opportunity, I don't know if yeah. you put know? it yeah. so, so You have a lot of stand days in Brazil. Yeah. <laughs>
0: so I'm, I'm guessing some or all of you have other things that you do uh, outside oh, yeah. of this particular project. Yeah. Yeah. yeah,
1: everyone. Yeah, a lot of us have kids. Um, all of us have um, pretty serious daytime jobs. So there's, there's a lot, a lot. of us are juggling uh, different aspects of our lives to make this work.
0: Yeah sure. Yeah. But
1: but we do manage to play on average every week. You know, well, always every week, and sometimes two or three times a week, uh, uh, and often until three in the morning. Uh, so we're we're definitely not afraid to get out there. I yeah. Think you <laughs> could say we're doing it for the right reasons. We're doing it because we just enjoy playing. We enjoy writing, and we enjoy that thing that Chris said about people, you know, having fun love to be able to be a
0: part of that and, and, and make it fun When so I'm guessing then that there isn't uh, very little cover if any cover music um, performed with the band so when you guys are um, writing your songs is it a collective project or do each one of you bring songs to the group and said let's try these let's try these and, and it's kind of more of an individual process
2: it's
1: been mostly individual songwriting and arranging, and then bringing it to the band and having people bring what they can to the table, certainly instrumentally. We've had a few co writes. Um, uh, Paul and I uh, co wrote a song. Mike and Paul co wrote a song. Uh, I've co written some songs with um, um, my friend Lucy Martinez, who I have another band with of Domestics, but uh, uh, haven't done a ton of collaborative. Mm-hmm. writing from scratch okay uh, up to this point there's always been enough song I mean we we when we went in to record this this album we actually tracked thirty something songs wow. before we went down to the thirteenth <laughs> so there's no shortage of material which is I guess a good thing and yeah. there's always more things funneling in yeah.
0: yeah tell me about the new record
1: well uh again it's uh it's thirteen original songs uh uh Emily uh, Grogan, since she uh, got involved in the album process a little bit later, uh, we only have one of her songs uh, on the album, but uh, she's got a bunch of other songs that she performs with us live. So other than Emily's song on the album, Mike and Paul and I uh, each contributed an equal uh, number of songs. And uh, uh, the album's called Mighty, which is named after Paul's dog. Mighty's on the cover, And he's on the cover. (laughs) I would tell you that as far as the concept of the album, or at least the way we picked the songs, the one thing that I could say is that it's it's, it's just a moving force from beginning to end. We mm-hmm. didn't really slow it down. It just sort of had this um, this movement that we all really liked. And that was one of the benefits of having so many songs to pick from, which is like our live shows. There's that same kind of movement, energy, and spirit in our live shows. And we're trying to caps- encapsulate that in a set of music on record.
0: When you guys are performing live, do you have a preset uh, uh, set list, or, or do you keep that organic as well?
1: It, you know, it, it depends. Sometimes for a really important gig that we we know there's like really uh, a set time constraint, we'll have a set list. Um, but increasingly, we're, we're increasingly we're able to just kind of call out songs as we go.
0: Yeah, there's,
1: there's certain songs that we typically play, you know, at every show and. Um, uh, and lately we've been kind of doing the album in order um, okay. and then playing other songs. Um, but we're pretty flexible that way. Um, but, you know, again, the band, we've played these songs so many times at this point, it's pretty easy to call out. The only real issue would be just whether it requires you know, major instrument switching. Well, we've been getting really good at that. We're kind of like firemen when it comes to that. (laughs) I got to switch from accordion to guitar. Oh, no, wait a minute. No, we're not going to do that. Oh, shit, I got to put the accordion back. Oh, (laughs) Oh, yeah. The really really funny thing is that Bruce uh, Bartone, who plays uh, guitar and bass, lead guitar and bass, and Seamus Feeney, who plays uh, acoustic guitar and resonator guitar and bass and Boron, the Irish frame drum, uh, they, you know, Sometimes somebody can't make a gig or whatever, so we've all learned to kind of fill in. But, you know, sometimes we'll be playing a song and, you know, they're switching between bass and guitar. Sometimes they forget who plays what instrument on the song. Yeah. Uh, we were doing our release party recently and realized halfway through the song that they were not on the instrument they were supposed to be on. But uh, it didn't <laughs> matter. They both, they both know how to play the song. That's both Somehow yeah. it seems always <laughs> happened on my song. <laughs> yeah. or, there's always that moment where we're like, we are be playing the song and we're like, hey, there's no bottom end. There's nobody on bass. Nobody on bass. But the good thing is I'm the only one that plays mandolin, so that never gets confused. Well, it
0: sounds like you guys definitely have, have learned how to have fun with with all of that, rather than having being so serious that you have to criticize and stop and start over and those types of things where it, 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 it adds, I'm sure, to the enjoyment for the audience as well.
1: I think you're absolutely yeah, right. right. Yeah, and you know, we don't we don't mean to suggest that we're not serious about the music. We're very serious about the oh, music, sure. but we try not yeah. to, we try not to shake ourselves too seriously. Yeah, right, um, right. <laughs> so
0: what's That'll what's be obvious. <laughs> <laughs> what, what's the how far ahead do you plan? What's the future? What what do you what would you guys like to see happen with the band? Do you do you think that far ahead, or, or do you have plans?
1: We we've been thinking about it. Yeah, I think. Uh, well, I mean, first of all, you know, now that we've finally. Um, sort of figured out how we want to approach the studio because that was an interesting process. We tried lots of different approaches uh, to recording, but we've got a home studio and we've worked with some outside studios as well. So I think the next studio album will go much more quickly. Mm-hmm. So we're we'll definitely going to do some more recording. Um, but it is our goal to try to expand our both our fan base and our and our reach uh, in the coming year. You know, As we said, we're mostly regional, but uh, we would like to start expanding a little further out.
0: And, yeah, uh, cool. And,
1: yeah, we have a, we have a plan, from people. We have a, we have a, a plan to headline Newport Boat Festival. <laughs> um, we haven't had a talk with them yet about that, but you know, <laughs> 2050 is what we're doing. <laughs> <right>. Yeah, okay.
0: <laughs> so, um, if people who want to get the get a copy of the new CD, how can they do that? If they want to uh, remind us again for folks that are kind of more in your area where can they catch you weekly and um, you know maybe where can they find you uh, you know in the spring what kind of festival events do you have scheduled if any
1: sure well um, I mean, first of all our website has a lot of great resources it's uh, losgatos.com uh, that's G O U L O S G O U T O S, yeah. and uh, uh, you can buy the album digital download there um, you can order it hard copies of the C D, you know, through C D baby or Amazon. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're on Spotify and iTunes and all those digital uh, outlets. Uh and um and uh we're talking about doing a vinyl release. That's um oh, cool. hasn't happened yet. Um but we really would like to do uh, a vinyl release we're hoping maybe in the spring or summer. Um and as far as uh, shows um every Sunday at the barn yeah, every Sunday at the at the barn in, in the front room there in uh, in Davis Square in Somerville, uh, which for people who aren't from the area is right next to Cambridge, Mass. Okay. Um, and then we also played pretty frequently at a lot of other local venues in town. Uh, we have played uh, Toad quite a bit, and Lizard Lounge, and um, uh, Sally O'Brien's, and a bunch of other places. So a lot of all the kind of local Boston uh, clubs. And um, we're still working on the, the spring and summer uh, schedule, but we're we're definitely uh, hoping to branch out to some. Uh, festivals and other things coming up, so you, people yeah. can check the website uh, for our, our show's page and see where we're okay. playing in 2019. End, irons are in the fire. Yes, yeah.
0: Right. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, good. Well, thanks, guys. This has been fun, and uh, appreciate getting the chance to, to learn about your, your music, and I wish you the best with it. Thanks so much. I
1: yeah, really appreciate it. Appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks.